I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson, supported by LaCole here on the Giro d'Italia 2021 second rest day. It's weird. We had 10 stages straight, then six stages, then five stages after the second rest day. So it's a bit imbalanced. I think that's pretty normal for Grand Tours. Can't really remember. There's normally a shorter gap between the uh, last rest day and the end of the race. We're just going to quickly recap what's happened so far in the race, or in the last week, rather. We're not going to do the first week. We'll do what happened in the second week. We'll tell you what the GC standings currently are. We should tell you who's leading the Velo Games, LRCP League, as well as then previewing the stages to come, the five stages we have, and what we think will happen. Is GC over? How are you going, Benji, on your Tuesday? You're happy for the rest day? You're feeling... Are you feeling happy about the Giro so far? What's your general view on how, how the race has gone so far? You think venue's happy or you think RCS are a little bit eh about what's been happening? Well, throughout the Giro, I must say that I still very much enjoyed it. I think I really enjoyed the Giro so far. I think that LRCP helps a lot with that. When there's a stage that is a bit meh, doing LRCP is pretty damn fun and that changes it a lot for me. And um, I think that even on pretty meh stages, you can make some memes about it. But all in all, I think that the GC battle has not been the most intense one. It's not that the Giro is 100% over at the moment. We'll talk about it in a second. But Bernal is dominating right now, and he's been dominating since the start. And so far, we've seen no weakness in his camp. And um, yeah, that makes it a bit less likely that the Giro will turn around in the final week. Nonetheless, I've had really enjoyable parts about it. It really sucks that Lando fell away, for example. But the one thing that came out of that that is slightly positive is the fact that Caruso had an opportunity to go for GC. And I don't mean that in a harsh way to Lando, for example. I, I'd love to have had him on this race, but I am happy to see that Caruso is able to do what he's doing right now, stuff like that. So I do see uh, very enjoyable points in the Giro. All in all, it's not the best Grand Tour I've seen. Uh, that's definitely sure. But it could still change. We've got the majority of uphill finishes in the next week. So I guess we'll we'll see if something happens about that. I mean, I feel like maybe they were trying to backload it so that they didn't want to have Bernal or, or someone like that too far ahead before they got to the second rest day because competitive tension on GC, you know, there's been studies that the closer the gaps are on GC, the more that the audience will maintain their interest in it. That being said, I think that's just resulted in a lot of inaction on GC, a lot of ambivalence to whoever wins the stage. We've had two mountaintop finishes, one the Zonkland, can't remember the other one. Uh, we've had stages like Banyo de Romagna, complete snoozes from the GC perspective. Before we recap the week that we've had, we'll mention our show partner, Lecol, L-E-C-O-L, uh, dot C-C. If you want to check out their website through the link down below, they produce performance 
Cycling apparently sponsored the Drops La Col name sponsors the Drops La Col women's cycling team. They've got the McLaren collaboration at the moment. There's a Project Aero Strava challenge that's already started. You complete a hundred mile ride, hundred sixty k's in under six six hours, or you record three hundred active minutes. You can go in with a chance to win the complete La Col McLaren Project Aero collection. So thanks to Lacole for supporting the podcast, and you can also get 20% off even on already discounted items with LRCP20 discount code at checkout. The week that we've had, first stage after the first rest day, pretty good. Montaltino stage, stage 11, won by Mauro Schmidt. I mean, what a turn up for the books, him winning the Montaltino stage. Even a pole, that's where his descending troubles are really shown. Bernal looks the most, looks dominant, goes clear with Buchmann. And uh, there's not the biggest GC gaps in the world, but it's still a large GC group. Dan Martin loses seven minutes. Next stage uh, to Banjo di Romagna, won by Vendrame, ahead of Christopher Hamilton, zero GC action. Stage 13 to Verona, Nizzolo wins his first Giro stage, and it was just a straightforward sprint stage. And uh, then the Montes Oncoline stage from Cittadella. And surprisingly, a, a break one. Yates looked good for the first time in this year, really showing out. But Bernal counted, and he was the strongest of the GC riders, extending his gap. Which was the day that Buchmann crashed Benji? Benji was at the start of the Slovenia stage in stage 15 to Gorizia? I think it was. They started on that um, on that waterway section. Yes, I think that was the start of the... Uh... Gorizia stage. I think that was the one where, yeah, where they went over the water. So Buchmann crashes out at the start of stage 15. Big shame. Won by Campanarts and zero GC action. And Sagan and Chimalai not interested in the stage. Then the stage yesterday from Sicilia to Cortina d'Ampezzo. Won by Egan Bernal, the revised route. Hard enough. It was still hard as it was. Still pretty big GC gaps. You, I mean, Tour de France will rarely see GC gaps that big in a stage. And Bernal extending his lead even further. So here's the GC standings as we go into the last week. Bernal, 2 minutes and 24, a comfortable lead ahead of Damiano Caruso in second. Carthy in third on 340. Those are big gaps, bearing in mind Tour de France last year. If that's sort of the benchmark for what are tight gaps, these are big gaps. Vlasov in fourth, 418. Yates, 420 in fifth. Ciccone, 431. So very tight between Vlasov, Yates, Ciccone. Bardet in 7th on 5.02, Martinez 7.17 in 8th, Foss 8.20 and Almeida on 10 minutes in 10th. Dan Martin's out of the GC picture completely, as well as Bilbao and Avonapol's down on 28 minutes after yesterday. So, yeah, do you think this Euro's over, Benji, looking at those gaps, 2.24 from Bernal to Caruso? I think it's going to be difficult to turn it around. I think that... um... At the moment, the gap is significant in terms of Bernal. I think that Bernal has shown no weakness so far. I said it before, his team is very, very strong. He's the, got the most, well, the strongest team of this entire Giro. And I think the only team that could have competed was Bahrain, if they were still complete. If you had Landon in that team, Caruso had this performance. If you had Mohoric, Chino Mader, his mountain stage could have looked very, very differently. And right now, I think that it's going to be relatively easy for Ineos to control the GC people in this race. And that's, I think, what also drives the fact that we have situations where Ineos can just log the peloton and the brake wins. Because 
there's no other teams to set something up. You don't have a dominant team next to that that can set something up. And each of those teams have have weaknesses that a team like Bernal's doesn't have. Bernal has the flats with Agano, for example, the man's an engine. They can do stuff on the hilly stages, the medium mountain stages. On the big mountain stage, they've got Martinez still. While I don't think they would have been the best high mountain team if Bahrain was still here personally, you think that's that's a hot take or not? I think I think I think Ineos maybe aren't even the second strongest in the high mountains, uh, apart from Egan Bernal. I mean Martinez Bernal preferred to attack off his pace yesterday rather than being defensive because he was worried about Martinez's pace perhaps being too low. I think. Bahrain, EF, Simon Carr yesterday, massive pull. I think Ineos, what we saw in this second week was their strength in rolling terrain and medium mountains is unparalleled. Uh, Gana, Moscon, Narvaez, Puccio, it's ridiculous how strong they've been and it, I think that's really closed down the race a lot. But yeah, in the high mountains, I mean, it doesn't matter because Bernal's just that much stronger. I think Landa maybe would have been able to test him on a huge full Cortina D'Ampezzo stage, but maybe not, maybe Bernal. I think the two big losers of the cancellation of the full stage yesterday are Roman Bardet. You see him in seventh, moving up two spots at five minutes. He would be over Yates and then Ciccone, one would think, maybe even Carthy, if that had been a full stage. He seemed to relish the wet weather and was getting stronger as the stage went along. So Bardet, if you want to talk about who suffered from the adjusted stage, probably him. Simon Yates probably could even be... I mean, Tobias Foss might be in the top five right now if they had the full stage. He looked very good at the line, a sort of bigger guy, seemed to cope with the... He's Norwegian, cope with the cold conditions. Yates was <laughs> losing. And it was funny, yes, you know, you saw at the end of the stage, and this irritated, I think, Benji and I, teams coming out saying, we, we would have loved to do the full stage. We'd have loved to do it. We all wanted to do the full stage. And then Simon Yates said, yeah, I mean, I would have I would have lost a lot more time on the full stage, but um, it was safe not to do the full stage. And then you got Ilio Kaiser saying, yeah, I mean, 212 Ks, to be honest, wouldn't have been insurmountable for me. I just do it at my own pace. We've got 30 extra minutes, take the descents easy. <laughs> and we got the CPA, who at the start of the day, Salvato said, we're not doing... We're just the riders haven't asked for this, and at the end of the day, the CPA said we have we have honoured the the riders' decision. I mean, it was <laughs> did the, we we record the pod before all this came out. Did the comms that came out after the stage annoy you even more, Benji? Yeah, very much. Like you said, it the way that Simon Yates, for example, said that he would have lost more time, and then Brent Copeland, the the bike exchange guy, team manager, I think. He came out saying the opposite, saying that they wanted to do the full stage. So yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would have lost a decade if that happened. So <laughs> yeah. I don't think he would have wanted that afterwards. I think he would have been like, "Oh, we wanted to shorten the stage. It wasn't safe." So Yates didn't go all out on the descents. <laughs> nah, like ah, uh, I think that if you want to talk about the decision, then do it before the race happens. If you don't agree with the decision, then say it before the stage happens. You can't go back after the stage unless you were not consulted. And there are some teams that were not consulted, the Pro Conti teams, for example, present here, according to Ivan Basso, at least. They did not receive any consultation in regards to this decision because I, um, yeah, I don't know why, actually. Why? They didn't last year, weren't they all lined up on the start line at Morbenio as well, not knowing what was going on? Maybe they're yeah. just not allowed in the WhatsApp group chat, I think. <laughs> it might be. Seriously, it's probably the WhatsApp thing. 
<laughs> wealth or gatekeeping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, there's a lot of comments. There's been a, We won't spend too long on this. There's been a lot of comments that have come out about it. It's uh, Marca called it, you know, a, a certa polemica, a certain controversy was going to result whatever they decided, you know, if they made them do the pouring rain in the full stage or not. There wasn't going to be full coverage anyway. But I think people are entitled to be posing those questions regardless. And I think, you know, I think Felix Lowe wrote an article in Eurosport or whatever saying, you know, keyboard warriors on social media were having their say, which is kind of like journalistic gatekeeping for people who have a a platform on digital media platforms that don't have the same opinion as you. And um, I think people are entitled to say what was going on. Why didn't it work? And also, why haven't we got the full footage locally recorded from accepting, accepting that the planes couldn't go up? I'm not an aviation. Accepting that's true. Accepting that it was a safer decision to cancel the two main climbs, probably true on balance, uh, even though the extreme weather protocol wasn't applied, even though Marca, for example, you know, they're saying it was applied because they don't, they're so confused. Accepting that those two things had to happen, there's no reason why the full stage couldn't have been locally recorded. One would think is a backup plan, and that couldn't have been splashed together, banged up that evening, you know. And by seven, eight p.m., we would have all have at least that footage to watch. But it's come in dribs and drabs, and it seems to me Eurosport was still waiting on it this morning to get their hands on it. It's like what, what a riot! You're sending the hard drive by Dove. Mate, probably like what the hell. Anyway, that's enough on that. <laughs> Bit of a shame. Realistically, for the ranks, it just means there's more competitive tension going into the third week. I think yep. Venue knew that probably because Bernal's not five minutes ahead on GC. But here is going to that third week, your Vela Games, the leader, Portuguese cycling with Duarte Ribeiro, Almeida Bernal, Ciccone, Cepeda on zero points, Sagan Gana, <laughs> Oliveira. Ulysses and Caruso. He is leading the LRCP league. Where are you sitting at, Benji? I'm actually sitting pretty good. I think I'm in the um Ooh, good question. I think in the LRCP league I'm within the top fifty, I think. I'm two hundred of the twenty-one thousand in total. Um and the only downfall in my team is that I have Sibeta in there as well on zero points. So if I had anyone else, I would have been in the top five, most likely, of the entire LRCP Velo game. But my decision to go for Cepeda is ruining it. But that's part of the game. I uh, I need to take the uh, the cost of having him. But um, I actually want to talk about Ribeiro for a bit, the guy that's winning. Uh, actually, a funny anecdote. So I started making my content on my channel, I think, 2015. And I'm pretty sure that Duarte Ribeiro is one of the uh, first 50 like followers I had ever. So this man has supported me for almost a decade in every single thing I've done. So I really appreciate that. And I find it awesome to see him on top there. But um, in regards to my team, yeah, I'm looking good. I've got Bernal. I've got Almeida, who's getting a free free freedom again. So that's good. Vlazov up there in GC. Merlis Gondo, Formolo still in there. Valter still in there. But I don't think those two are going to get too many points anymore unless Formula drops back or Valter drops back and goes for a stage instead. Uh, then Trotnik, who's been performing well, Moscon, and then Cepeda. So that's my team. But what's your team doing at the moment? My team is so shit. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. All right. <laughs> We've got three or four mountain stages coming up in this fourth week. It's heavily backloaded, so we're a little bit concerned about if Bernal could run away with this. I think what's likely is Ineos will take 
take it easy. We've got tomorrow the stage 17, 194 Ks, the two main climbs, Paso San Valentino, 15 Ks, 8% descent. Then the Sega de Ala, which is pretty nasty, actually, 11.5 Ks, 10% yes. with some ramps. I mean, it's 17%, I think, as well. Saying there, there's a 17%. I mean, does Bernal just ride his own pace, Benji, take an extra 20 seconds plus the maybe some bonus if it's available? What do you see for that sort of st- – how do you think Ineos will approach this third week, conservatively or going out for more stages? I think that it's difficult to say because yesterday he wanted to put up a show, Bernal. He wanted to put up a show for the fans, but nobody saw it. So perhaps in his mind he's like, oh, now I need to do it again. And he's going to try and find a stage where he does it again. I propose stage 20 to try and like hammer it in the final mountain stage and just display pure dominance there. So I don't think that tomorrow is going to be necessarily a... It's hard to say that it's not a, a breakaway stage, but I think that it's likely to uh, to not be a, to, to be a breakaway stage. I think it's likely to be a breakaway stage. Who's strong enough to... Surely Dan Martin. I mean, surely Dan Martin's got to go in the break. I mean, he went in the break the other day. Isn't it funny? He's basically on the same time as George Bennett. And George Bennett's been in the break for a week. <laughs> Dan Martin's been running for GCs. Like, About George Bennett, by the way. Did you see that yes. that picture uh, on social media posted by La Flamme Rouge with his, uh, with his, uh, his musette bag <laughs> crossing the line after he took it on top of the jowl because of the new rules he can't give that away in the really? descent so we had to descend with a with a mazed back <laughs> jesus christ anyway bernal if his back holds up he's probably gaining more time on stage 17 if all things go normally uh maybe carthy can try something who knows uh stage 18 from rovereto to stradella i'm worried there's going to be like the Gorizia stage, it's 230Ks for starters, and then there's a collection of four hills at the end. I think Sagan should be the favourite for this stage, but I think his best option is to get into the break and just let his team have the day off pretty much. Uh, to ask them to pull all day for 220Ks could be a bit difficult. So, yep, Sagan I'd like for that stage. Do you think is that going to be play out the same way as Slovenia, you think, Benji, based on how they've ridden so far? Ineos won't have any interest, surely. That's true, but I think it's going to be a breakaway stage because, I don't know, do you think that Sagan is climbing good enough to beat potential punchers that go for the stage, like Ulysses, for example? Well, if Ulysses gets in the... I mean, where's Ulysses been? So yeah, that's maybe, true. That's true. He's, uh, he's Molimar, we'll, we'll see Molimar in the break again, I think, and... I mean, they're just, they're, the last climbs are a little bit longer than in Slovenia, so maybe Modlema has a better chance. Uh, I'd love to see Almeida and Honoré get the break. Yep. Oh, Almeida probably Honoré. And Cavania, if he's still here. I don't know where he's been. Anyway, uh, stage 19 could be amended. This is, uh, there's been a tragedy that you might have heard of the cable car accident in the uh, Piedmont region, and there's talks at the moment that the race route may be diverted because it goes quite close to Motarone. It goes up Motarone climb, actually, where I've actually climbed up there. So myself, I think, four years ago. So stay tuned for that. Stage 19 might be changed. But even if if they go around that, we're still finishing with 9.5Ks, 9.2%. This is all suiting Egan Bernal. 
I think, uh, because the last climb, before the last climb, second last climb, rather, there's a long false flat uphill valley where, and there's 7K, 6%. I don't think teams will try something on that climb, to be honest, or just get chased by Moscon. So 19, don't really see anything but Bernal. <laughs> and 20 is the one Benji was talking about. This will be the hardest stage in the Giro so far if they are able yep. to do it. Do you think they're going to be able to do it, Benji? Two climbs over 2,000 metres? Do we just have to cross our fingers and hope? Well, the problem is, on paper, I'd say on this kind of stage that you've got Ghana who can climb the first half of the puzzle, San Bernardino, then the next rider of Vinyals can pop up, and then the other rider, and then the other rider. Because of yesterday, I don't know whether that's going to be the case, because we don't know what happened to Ineos. They were suddenly gone, Martinez was left with Bernal, alone at the foot of the Paso Jao. So on the false flat section before the Paso Jao, they must have spent their riders, which is just odd to think about. I don't know. And that makes me think that perhaps they weren't up to shape, but that would be weird because the entire Giro so far, they've been up to standard. So I think that this is the kind of stage that reminds me completely of the Sestriere stage of last year. We've got that major run-in with a huge climbing section at the start, 25 roughly kilometers and then the two smaller climbs afterwards. And last year, we basically saw, I think, pure, well, basing on the first climb, and then already moves on the first and second climb. And I think the difference here is that they had to do so to win the Giro last year. And now Ineos doesn't need to do so. But I still think that, oh, It'll think depend that- on Bahrain. It'll depend on whether Caruso is just happy to defend second from Carthy, Vlasov and co, or whether he, and Bade, or whether he, he actually wants to go for the top step. You think he should go for first or... should go for first. I believe that... Oh, it'd be big for him. GC pied him. He just needs huge. to get close enough because he's got the time trial over Bernal, I think. He's not going to gain a minute over Bernal, but he's got a bit of a focus there so he can get closer. But I think the gap of two minutes is a bit difficult to get get towards Bernal in some way. And I think that Bernal is still a high favorite. But I think that if you're if you're Caruso and you're you've got the opportunity to go for your own GC in a Grand Tour and you're on the podium of the Grand Tour in second position and the competition behind you is not as good in time trial, meaning that you can lose at least a minute and a half in GC on everyone behind you and still relatively end in second, I'd risk it personally. Uh, the the only opportunity likely in his career that he'll have to win a Grand Tour is this last week. But yeah, he's going to need to find a crazy way to do it. On that TT, 30Ks flat, Senegal to Milano, pancake flat pretty much. I mean, Vlasov, how do we rate them? Caruso, Vlasov. Renault. Uh, Renault, yeah, they're all kind of average, aren't they? Caruso's <laughs> best of a mixed bunch. Uh, I've Probably Bernal don't see him losing too much time. I mean, I agree. If he, he's already at two twenty four on Caruso, yeah. if he's he's probably gonna normally he will extend even more yep. and he'll be cruising in Milan. I think uh, to Benji's point on stage twenty, people saying Bernal's never looked this good, or he didn't look this good with his back last year. I'd kind of temper that and say Bernal looked very good for two weeks in France last year. Yep. He lost time on Queen Marie to the Slovene. To the exactly flying. Okay, you lost time on Puy Marie to the Slovenians, but uh, 
that's the climb. They five to eight minute efforts. Those guys are absolutely lethal, and like they they're, they're guys that are up there on the podium in Liège, one Liège, both of them, and. I think Bernal was pretty good. Maybe the back had affected his preparation a little bit, but I didn't really see it, it was to me it looked like fine, 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 back done, stage fifteen, boom, out. It wasn't like he was hanging on it like Remco yeah. sort of been hanging on every day. Yates was hanging on, hanging on. And so I think if they see anything uh, that's that's the one thing reason why I mean Bernal's one dollar ten to win the G C right now on the second rest day. But you never know. I mean, cold day yesterday, but he's looking good. Will it hold up? He said it's not permanently fixed. A while at the start of this year, it's just something he's sort of still living with. Maybe he's just having a good three weeks. I don't know. To Benji's point, I think it's always worth testing him and never giving up because you never know. You know, Roglic, last day of the Welter last year, nearly lost the Welter. Um, you, you just never know what can happen in the third week of a Grand Tour if you keep yeah. trying. So. Okay. Do, you, do you think the other teams will try? Do you think EF will try again and Astana, despite kind of being rebuffed last week? I believe that Astana must. Uh, I think that they have to try at some point now because they're not on the podium anymore. And yeah, exactly. not being on the podium for Vlasov is honestly not where he should be, I think. He should still be happy with the place he has been because he's never been at this point in a Grand Tour that high up, I think, except for the Vuelta where he moved up. But but I don't know whether where he actually ended last year in the Vuelta. Was it fifth or sixth? Uh, it was eleventh. So no, never mind. He's no, he yeah, he lost like eight minutes yeah. first first week. Yeah. yeah, correct, correct, correct. Forgot about that. Uh, a lethal day for Vlasov. I think the first one already. But yeah, I think that Vlasov needs to try and get on the podium. I think Yates needs to try and get on the podium. I think that everybody that's not on the podium needs to do that, except Bardet. Perhaps he's probably just happy that he's. That he's at that spot in the GC, I think, and he's growing with no, strength. No, no. So he's he's going for podium. You think so? Bade, yeah, for sure. Bade wants the podium. I think he, yeah, I think he, yeah, he wants himself. it. Obviously, he's but second. can he? <laughs> um, I think he needs some wet conditions. I think Yates looks terrible in the in the cold. Flasso always seems to have an issue. Uh, Ciccone is looking good. Yeah, who do we think? Predictions now, Benji. What does the final podium in Milan look like? First, Bernal. Second, Caruso. Garfi. Nah. Actually, I'm going to switch it. Bernal, Caruso, Vlasov is the podium for me at the end of this Giro. Yeah, I'm going with Bernal, Vlasov, Caruso. I think I think Vlasov can do a little bit better in this in this last week. Ah, uh, wouldn't it be awesome yeah. if Caruso wins the Giro, though? Yeah, obviously it would be. I think Bardet... Bardet <laughs> I think Bardet will be moving up spots. Bardet is looking really good if it's been raining as well. But we have a few questions before we get out of here on this rest day. We need a rest too. Tom H. on yesterday's stage, is this the same as stage 19 TDF 2019? And I think the answer is no. What Venue I think was trying to do was avoid that scenario where you're going to have to cancel the stage midway through because if they end up on the climb and it's snowing on the descent, maybe they have to neutralize it for ages and it's all a mess. I think he's trying to avoid that. TDF 2019 was cancelled halfway through. It wasn't rerouted to actually finish on cold around. So, no, I don't see it as similar. Next one for you, Benji. The emergence of young GC stars from Pushkar in Ciccone, Foss and Valter. What's their realistic growth path? I think Ciccone is 26, Foss is 24, Valter, I don't know young early 20s what's their next three he's 22 what's their next three four years looking like 
think Foz is the one that I'm most looking forward to as a, an all-out GC rider. Not saying that the other two can't be a GC rider, but in the current day and age, you've got Grand Tours where time trials are just very important. And Tobias Foz is very good at time trial. If he was at the start of the Tour de France this year with the climbing he has, I don't know. Wow, I say top 10s at Tour de France, definitely. And I'm not even joking so. in that. So um, I think with the amount of kilometers even, he could be 7th or 8th in the Tour de France parkour that we have this year even considering the competition that is there. But all in all, I think that that is the one I'm most looking forward to in that. Also, because I think he's got more potential. I think he's got more growth potential. He's been taking the slow route in the sense that he stayed in U23 for a long time before he actually went up a ranking. He did the full U23 years, while others are already transferring at the age of 19 to a World Tour team and skipping the entire U23. So I think that might have been a wise decision knowing the results that he's making at the moment. And um, awesome ride by him so far. And I think it's going to continue towards the end with the time trial that will, I think, Falls will gain two, three minutes on the competitors that are around him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Falls is in the top five of this Giro at the end. And I got to be honest in that because Chicone's time trial is not good enough. His initial time trial was horrendous. And if we extrapolate that over the last time trial, then he's losing two, three minutes to uh, the stage winner. And that's going to be close to false, which means that if Ciccone loses another half a minute or another minute roughly in the next stage is to false. And false is above Ciccone by the end of this Giro. So Ciccone needs to find a way to use the mountains to his advantage because in the time trial, he's losing time. And that's also his weakness as a GC rider. I think that that's why the Vuelta fits him best. But then again, the Giro is in his home country. So I think he values that more. So that's, I think, the balance he needs to try and find. I don't know. I think the parkour of the Vuelta fits him. But um, I'm not sure his very steep gradient skills are on the level to do the Vuelta with all those walls at the end. So I don't know. It's a bit of a, a balanced thing there. But the last one, Attila Walter, his time trial is not good enough at the moment to... Uh, be a GC rider, I think, and his climbing is just under the uh, necessary amount as well, I think. He's shown that over the last weeks. I really value Valter, but he's not at a level yet. And I think that if I was at a Valter a few days ago, and I saw that I was slipping out of the top 10 on the mountain stages, he's now six minutes behind on the top 10. I'm losing 20 minutes in the first stage tomorrow. And I'm going to try and win a stage in the last two, even though I think that with the climbing ability that he's showing in the last few days, that there might be a stronger rider in the breakaway. And um, that's why I don't think it's going to be too easy to do so. But last Giro, he had the best day of his Giro in the, the final climb stage. So I don't know. So I think that the highest potential is on Foss and not necessarily the other two, although those can become a good GC rider if they make their weaknesses uh not their weaknesses anymore. Yeah, I guess Chacon is 26, so there's less time for him to suddenly become a good time trial rider. Volta, 22. I mean, he's got the time to do it. Foss as well is already there. I think Foss is the more normal uh, transformation into a TDF GC contender. He's already got the TT. His climbing's just not quite there yet, but it's not that far off. The problem is, on stages like stage six, the San Giacomo climb, not the hardest stage, then a 15.5k, 6% mountaintop finish, losing 28 seconds to Bernal. 
And I mean, he's in a group with Formolo, Almeida, Bardet, Buchmann. I know, but those guys aren't winning the TDF either or getting on the podium in the last couple of years. So you, he needs to be up there with not necessarily. I mean, yeah, he needs to be up there with Bernal on a drafting climb like that. That's a, that's a climb you'll often see that sort of climb in the Tour de France and mountaintop finish. You can't be losing twenty eight seconds. Uh, there, so he needs to improve that. I mean, he's, he's a, a bigger guy. He's like he says on PCS, seventy four kilos. Uh, he's tall, probably why his TT is so good. Yeah, he's six one. So I think maybe they just focus on slow weight loss if he really wants to commit to GC, which looks like he is. I mean, doesn't didn't do any of the one day races except for Strade. So yeah, I think seventy kilos, TT, Wiggins, Thomas, uh, the. Uh, it's all there. We've seen it in the last 10 years. That's the sort of guy I think he can turn into. Uh, but, yeah, they were the questions we had. I Hopefully, hopefully the uh, Giro d'Italia third week pops off. I'd love for there to be a complete overhaul in GC. Wouldn't it be great, ideally, if Bernal had a terrible day, loses five minutes, and then on the stage 20, Ineos have to go on a complete raid and Bernal tries to gain back the time. I think that would be the most exciting thing to see. Maybe Simon Yates, if there's sunnier conditions, and try something similar as well. But thanks for all your support so far on the uh, the Giro podcast with two-thirds of the way through, well, almost 75% of the way through. If you want to support the podcast directly, you can give uh, tip us a cup of coffee on the Ko-Fi link down below to keep Benji and I caffeinated or just give us a review on podcast players um, or a like on the YouTube video is helpful as well. Until tomorrow, Stage 17 Recap. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 